Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 197. If you care about the environment, eat more plants. If you care about your health, eat more plants. If you care about do we have enough food to feed the entire planet, eat more plants. If you care about social justice or feminism or how we treat those we have power over, eat more plants. Like It's perfect. I don't, I don't care what you believe in, but if you eat more plants, you'll be making a difference. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Hills Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you've experienced any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today we're chatting with Asher Brown and we'll find out about his digital content agency, Pollution TV, and how he helps brands and influencers expand their reach and tell their stories. His exceptional work has allowed him to run a successful business while advancing social change, specifically within the plant-based movement. He's worked with plant-powered clients like Gardein and Beyond Meat, as well as smaller clients such as local animal rescues and food bloggers. So some quick announcements and some Q&A before we get to our interview with Asher. Make sure to check us out in the summer issue of Veg News. It's on newsstands until August. We are featured as a must-listen podcast. And we're so I can't honored. believe it. I know. <laughs> I mean, thank you, Colleen. Thank She's you. an incredible editor. I am obsessed with her magazine. Veg News is like the cosmopolitan Cosmo that I grew up reading for veganism. It's fab. It's so good. So go check it out. You can subscribe at vegnews.com slash subscribe. And they are not our sponsor. We just love this magazine. So yep. check it out. Yes. Thank you, Colleen, for the shout out. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen. <sighs> what else we got, Suze? Uh, it's Q&A Tuesday. So you have Qs. We have As. All right. This is an email from Matt. And I wanted to read it out loud because he has a lot of questions. And these are some of these we get a lot. And so I thought we'd just answer them on air. And Matt, I will email you back to hopefully before this airs. <laughs> so Matt says, thank you for your consistent knowledge on the podcast. As full-time world travelers, food is a very important part of our experiences. My wife is a vegan and I'm a most of the time vegetarian. And I love hearing your team's insights to keep me straight on why I decided to make this important lifestyle decision. I've attached my recent review of the podcast to show my appreciation. Thank you, Matt. Reviews are everything to us. They really help keep us, you know, in iTunes, keep us on the forefront so people can discover the podcast. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Um, He says, I'm also reaching out to thank you for the knowledge you dropped on the podcast Mastery podcast with James Martell and to show how you guys grew the podcast at the early stages. My wife and I just released our podcast yesterday and we are very excited about the early reaction. So Thank you, Matt. I'm so glad you listened to that episode. We're going to give you a shout out right now. It's called Passport Joy. It's travel talk 
with Matt and Nikki Javit. So he says, I incorporated your review contest ideas with many great products, jumping in to give away prizes to our listeners. I also made note of your advice to create 10 episodes before launching. Very important as we have spotty internet at times while on the road. I also created a launch video that we have shared on our Facebook page. Good job, you guys. First of all, if you want to do something like start a video series, start a podcast, write a book, you've got to have a marketing launch strategy or it's going to go to crickets. So I'm really, really excited that Matt and Nikki took our advice because this is essential if you're building a business. You you got to get people listening, watching, whatever it may be. So I'm really excited. He says, I did reach out to mid-roll for advertising as you suggested, but they never got back to me. That said, I'm not sure if our budget would have fit their rate cards. Just a thought. Do you guys ever suggest or promote podcasts on your show? Depending on the needed budget, we might be able to consider that. Here's your free shout out. Everyone go listen right now. Passport Joy, Travel Talk with Matt and Nikki. I already said that, but I just wanted to reach out and give them a free shout out. And yes, we do charge. If you want to pay us, we will take your money. And if you want to do an ad, we will do an ad with you. But I really, really appreciate your email. And so I'm going to shout you out. And if you write us a review, Food Heals Nation, and then you ask for something, you might just get a shout out. (laughs) That's true. Okay. And the other thing is about mid-roll is that they have raised their prices since um, the, those interviews I did. So there are other platforms that you can advertise on. If you want to learn what those platforms are, come to our Rise and Bloom Mastermind. It's April 20th and 21st. It is this week. If you want to join us, it's in LA. You can go to www.foodhealsnation.com slash mastermind to learn all about it. We talked about it on a few past episodes. You know what day one is going to be. We're going to be masterminding our businesses. And day two, we're going to the biggest plant-powered gala of the year, the Humane Society Gala, which will be at Paramount Pictures in Hollywood. So go get all the info right now foodhealsnation.com slash mastermind. Email me if you want to come info at foodhealsnation.com. And I'm going to teach you all of those marketing strategies. Susie's going to teach people how to develop physical products. So if you want a product line, she's, she's got her CBD oil line and Leslie Durso, the vegan influencer is going to do a lunch and learn and teach us all about how to become an influencer, get those sponsorships on Instagram, become a vegan chef. So this is the first time we're doing um, an intimate event like this. I am so excited. I can't wait to meet all of the people that are coming. If you are interested, please join us. There's only a few days left. We have only a few spots left, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, you know, business and then play. So we're going to roll what we love to do all into one um, weekend or one pair, a couple of days and uh, can't wait to meet everybody. Yeah. Get glammy. We're going to get glam. We're going to go to this event. We're going to take a limo. It's all fab. Um, you know, day one, it's two day mastermind. Day one is about masterminding your business. It's really about what you know. So we're going to learn, 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 and we're going to create a plan for each one of you. And then day two, it's like, it's not only what you know, it's who you know. So we're going to network, network, network at the Plant Powered Gala of the Year. So we hope you join us. And to finish off Matt's email, he says, also during our travels, we are meeting friends in Sicily mid to late May. I know that you're not allowing boys on the Italy trip, winky face, but if you ladies are there a few days before your June trip, maybe my wife and I could come connect with you and discuss food, travel, and podcasting. Just a thought. Have a great weekend. So to Matt, I say, if you are in Italy, when we are in Italy, June the 2nd to June 9th, 
absolutely come to one of our dinners. We would be honored to have you and your wife. We could talk all about podcasting, wellness, all that good stuff. And Food Heals Nation, if you want to join us in Italy, you know what to do. What do they do, Susie? You know what to do. Go to our website, www.foodhealsnation.com slash Italy and uh, sign up. Sign, sign up, up sign and up, join please. us. I'll be drinking wine at the infinity pool the whole time. So there's that. She's if you guys think she's good at podcasting, wait till you've seen her drink wine in a pool. She's a I professional. Mean, I think I think I'm a pro. Thanks, Suze. I appreciate that. <laughs> I really appreciate that you reflect back to me what a wonderful wine drinker I am. It means a lot. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on to our interview with Asher, but please join us in Italy. Join us at the mastermind. Email me if you have any questions about any of this. It's all online, you know, if you really want to dive deep into your business or dive deep into a wellness retreat with us. We're going to have a blast. All right, let's talk about veganism, vegan Instagram, and running a full-scale production company with Asher. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. One of Asher's and Pollution TV's most recent projects is a TV show with Verizon's Go90 called High Cuisine that Asher was adamant on keeping all vegan. In this show, two cannabis-induced chefs have 45 minutes to meet the challenge and outdo the opponent in terms of taste and culinary creativity with only plant-based foods. I had the opportunity to watch the first episode at one of Asher's parties at Pollution it is funny, Food Heals Nation. Check it out. We will play you a clip from the trailer. Welcome to High Cuisine. This is the world's largest cooking competition show with two completely high chefs. We're going to get them high as You have sent us to the stars. You wish us to bring back its culinary secret. I got the munchies. I'm ready to cook. I cook high all the time. It really gets your creativity going. When I cook in the kitchen, I'm organized, but normally I smoke a bowl and like the organization goes out the window. I'm very passionate about food. Everything about food gets me motivated to wake up the next morning and just learn something new. Dare to dream! Dare to dream! Welcome, Asher. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So, do the chefs do better if they've already got, if they're used to getting high or if they are newbies? Uh, we, we definitely had some chefs who weren't quite sure of how to handle themselves once they got stoned. Uh, for me, it's about creativity. So I think all the chefs had a, a pretty amazing creativity once they, they kind of let themselves go. No, that's what I would have guessed because I definitely get more creative when I partake yeah, of the cannabis. We, uh, I think we had kind of 50-50. Some of the dishes were amazing, incredible. Like, I can't believe someone thought about this next level. And, and some of them were horrendous. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of it was our fault. Um, we had an episode where we told the chefs you're going to make enchiladas. And so they got ready for that. Um, we got them high, took them in the kitchen. And then Mary Carmen, our host, said, but the twist is they have to be candy enchiladas. So we had a tray full of candy. So like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And I you know, wrote the challenge. <laughs> So, you wrote the candy enchilada. Ch- yeah. Candy enchilada. So, so the, the winning dish was sort of a, a bean and uh, vegan cheese and onions and uh, dandies wrapped in a fruit roll up. Oh. And <laughs> Is it, that good? No. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I wanted. Yeah, that, I was like, uh, ooh. Yeah, but I, I wanted. I didn't want this to be the kind of cooking show where all that mattered was how your dish turned out, you know? We had some episodes where some of the chefs made very safe dishes that yes. you could tell they'd made something like that before, and other chefs took giant leaps, and I think the leap is what makes me excited about cooking. Were you high when you thought of this show? 
I like to smoke and cook. I think there's a lot of autobiographical in this show. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I, I live in this Instagram world where it's all about the final result. Yes. You know, how will this dish look? And I think there's a, a freedom to saying, oh, this dish is probably going to be a mess. And I'm just going to have a lot of fun making it. And I'm going to get as weird as I can. And some, sometimes, uh, Ruha, in this episode, her dish was incredible. What she, did she make? She, she made... Oh, that's um, the one that had never smoked yeah, before. Yeah, she, she had never smoked before. This was a, a color challenge. So she could only use red foods in her dish. Oh. And her, her final dish was, was just one of the best things I've ever tasted. Um, it wasn't fully red. So we, we tried to disqualify her on that. But she, <laughs> she was very adamant. She said, no, this is all red. What, were you, and, what, what wasn't red in your opinion? Uh, well, she used uh, beet greens. So there was some red from the beet, but then green from the greens. Oh. And, and there's actually in the, the judging scene, Jason, who's our, our resident foodie, he, he said, you know, Ruha, you're using all these colors. And she basically told him to fuck himself. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like, right. you win. <laughs> And did, and did she win? Yeah, she was a great. It's a great dish, and she justified it. Uh, you can't. Yeah, I guess if you're gonna like fight against stoners, everybody's gonna be like, "All right, yeah. <laughs> our, let's eat." Our, our first episode was a Thanksgiving episode, uh-huh. and uh, we were a little. We didn't want to do a Thanksgiving episode first because none of the other episodes were themed. But the first episode was being released on Thanksgiving, and yeah. the, at your party. Yeah, at the party. So there was like, "Hey, you should make a Thanksgiving episode." So we brought in as one of our chefs, Raul Medina, from the, the vegan taqueria, Taqueria Veganza. He's a big uh, activist. The challenge was Thanksgiving, um, make a Thanksgiving dinner in a sandwich. And he was working on it. And um, halfway through the cooking, we make them stop and they take a smoke break. Kind of regroup and, and keep them high because mm-hmm. that, that's fun to watch. Because <laughs> it can fade. That's right. And, and Raul came back from that smoke break and he's like, you know what? I think Thanksgiving is a shitty, oppressive holiday, and I'm going to make a breakfast torta because that's what I eat on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's my truth, and everybody else can go fuck themselves. And, and it was a great, a great torta, and he justified it, and he won the episode, yeah. he, even though it had, you know, it's not the traditional Thanksgiving dish in any mm-hmm. way. <laughs> that's awesome. So we just jumped into watching the trailer, but... Can you tell Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I am Asher Brown, and I run a content agency called Pollution TV out of Boyle Heights. It's a bit of a a hybrid business model. We have a 30,000-square-foot film studio, production resources. We have a production company, Wing, and then we also have a set-building shop and a, a creative component. So we, the short version is we make content which in 2018 can be anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we've done Instagram campaigns. We've done feature films. Uh, we do broadcast commercials. But most of what we do is in the digital space in some way. And we work with a lot of companies, a lot of big companies, but we don't work with shitty companies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why not? I, I, feel, I feel like I feel a little... I'm always a little apprehensive about advertising because yeah. what I'm trying to do is get someone to buy something yeah. they might not have wanted to buy and usually they don't usually, usually I was just they rewatching don't. Mad Men because mm-hmm. I loved that show and it's and I forgot it's been so long and it starts with he's got to come up with a new campaign for cigarettes because it just came out that the FDA is, FDA is saying you can't say that cigarettes are healthy anymore 
And they're like, oh, and it's actually coming out that they're bad for you. And he's like, oh, what do I do? And he ends it with, he saves the day, pulls out some campaign, you know, but he says, advertising is all about making people think that they will be happier with your product, Mm -hmm. even if they don't need it. Yeah. So, so that's always, it's always tough, but I like, I like telling stories and everything is a story. And uh, for me, it's, I want to tell a story about something that does make the world better. Mm-hmm. So I, I turned down a McDonald's campaign, but I do a lot of work for Veggie Grill. Yeah. Um, and I, I really do believe that if more people shop at Veggie Grill, it'll make the world better. Did McDonald's seek you out? Yeah. Because uh, of the way you work? I, I do a lot of food work and I do a lot of kids and babies work. So McDonald's was like, we're on this. Yeah. You got a play, playground in the restaurant. Yeah. They're yeah. like, we have this kids thing. We think you'd be perfect for it. We want you to pitch on it. And, uh, you know, if, if they were doing a, a vegan burger, I would be They all have over them it. in India. Yeah. Yeah. So when that comes to the States, I will help them sell that because yeah. I, I think that if they can make more money selling vegan burgers, they're going to switch. They don't care. But I can't sell Chicken McNuggets. And, and they, don't, they don't want me to because I'm not going to do a good job because- Your heart wouldn't be in I don't it. care. And that was with, with High Cuisine. It was originally not supposed to be a plant-based show. It was developed- by Go90 and Me Too, the production company. And mm-hmm. I came in pretty late in the game. And they said, here's the show, and we want your spin on it. And I said, well, my spin is plant-based. That's amazing that, that they took that in and were like, okay. Were they resistant? Yeah, I, I thought I was going to get fired two or three different times. <laughs> uh, we, our first writer's meeting, uh, I wouldn't show anybody the, the pilot that had been shot. And I apologized to everyone in the room. And I said, we're going to sh- pitch a show. It is not what they asked for in any way. And I assume they're going to say no because this is very different. But why would, why would you want to do it? You know, why would you want to make a cooking show that you had to kill things to put on the air? Yeah. I got pushed back at first. But I said, look, you're hiring me because you think I'm going to do a good job. And I'm going to do a good job because I love this show. And if we have episodes with meat products in them, I'm not going to love those episodes. And you're not spending your money well if you hire me. Um, and also, I think, you know, this isn't 20 years ago. Plant-based isn't this wild, crazy mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, like the, the candy enchilada episode, it's candy. You know, nobody's sitting there going, oh, I wish, I wish there were animal products in there somewhere. Right, yeah. You know, so, so we, made, we made that show. And the, the response from the, the vegan community has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was partly how I sold the show to the network. You know, everybody's nervous about making content they think will only be watched by a small group. So part of the challenge was convincing them that, well, everybody will watch this. Yeah. But then part of it was saying, but also, if we make a show that the vegans will watch, they will come out and they'll support it. Mm-hmm. Because In they drones. Know. In drones, yeah. yeah. Because they know that if this show is successful, somebody will greenlight the next show and then the next show and the next show. And you know, I'm not saying that if you watch the show, it'll save baby animals, but yes. It'll save the ones that were on the non-plant-based shows. So you're still saving some. Yeah, I think so. And at the end of the day, why make a show unless there's something good coming out of it? Yeah, well, I think that's kind of newer in our culture because that's not always people's intention or at least the integrity that they stand by. Oh. I love it. You're like this really, like you've got a really calm energy, but you're oh, like, yeah, fuck you. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you want a, a shitty show, there are plenty of people who can do yeah. that for you. Um, and then, you know, when, once you put out the, the bat signal and you say, I'm making this really amazing show and I really believe in it and 
it's the world's largest plant-based cooking competition, then all of a sudden you get these amazing people jumping in. You know, Paul Cummings, our director, is a vegan. Uh, our writers were vegan. Uh, Jackie Soban, Vegan Yak Attack, was in charge of our food. Whitney Eco Vegan Gal was doing our social media. Uh, Jason Eisner came out. Like all these amazing people that wouldn't have come out if it was just some dumb cooking right. show. Mm-hmm. And so, where does the show air? So the show is on go90.com, and ten episodes have aired so far, and we have two to go. And it's free to watch. You don't need a subscription. You don't need uh, to watch ads. You can watch it off your phone. You can watch it off your computer. And if you just Google High Cuisine Go90, there's a, a link that you can watch. Awesome. So let's tell, talk about your animal activism or animal activism in general. Yeah. Um, when did you go plant-based? So I stopped eating meat when I was nine years old. Oh, which was uh, on the East Coast. Yeah, ni- 1990 on the East Coast. Um, I met one vegetarian, and I hadn't even known it was a thing before then. And I was like, oh, like, we don't have to eat. Because you're from animals. Philly, land of cheesesteak sandwiches. Yeah, and... <laughs> And I, and I come from a from a Jewish family where food is love, and yes. you know you eat your grandma's brisket because yes. you love your grandma. And, yes, and if you don't, you don't love her. And and when I told my mom I don't want to eat this food that you made, I might as well have told her I don't love you anymore. Right. So it was very hard, and and it was a it was a different time. You know, she cried because she was worried that I was going to get sick, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there were no resources, and I was the only person who ate like me, and. Uh, and I was very, very nervous about it, very ashamed, very uninformed. You were also very young. Yeah. And how did you deal with the blowback? Like, nine years old, young. You're not making your own food, I'm assuming. No. Did you have to? Like, how did your mother cope in terms of meals, and what happened next? Yeah, yeah, my, my mom was, was great. I mean, it was, you know, again, the, the tears were tough. But, you know, this was something that I was doing because I believed in it, and it was important to me, and my Parents have always been very supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Been very lucky. And when I traveled, you know, I have crazy stories about backpacking through France and living off baguettes. And you know, I, I definitely wasn't always eating well. Yeah. But but you know, as a teenage boy, I'll eat whatever. And yeah. Well, um, they do eat that in in I think in Switzerland and in France, they'll take yeah. baguettes and chocolate. Yeah. And make chocolate sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then as I got older, now I was vegetarian for a long time and vegan was a thing that you know a few weird people that I never met did, but right. you know like oh I don't have a problem with you know someone keeping a cow as a pet, you know that seems very friendly and you know of course I'll drink the milk. Um and it was only much later uh, in my 20s that my sister went vegan and she challenged me and she said, "Why aren't you a vegan?" And that was the first time anybody had ever really made me look at that and you know of course once you actually look at it it's really easy I think of course of course it's the same milk milk is veal and all these things are connected in the same ecosystem Mm -hmm. but but it was it was really easy for me to not make that connection and so I I meet a lot of people now and I I understand that there are all these barriers to keep you from having to confront that Mm -hmm. even once I went vegan I was still a, a very apologetic vegan how so uh, i would go into a, a restaurant and i was oh no I'm, I'm okay with the rolls or you know it's it's fine or i'd go to somebody's house and you know i wouldn't even tell them i was a vegan ahead of time because i didn't want them to make something you want to make them special. uncomfortable yeah, yeah. i didn't because vegan was weird and i didn't want to do that and i wanted to be nice and friendly and um, we served meat on set 
and because you know the crew needs to eat meat right and then over the last couple of years it's been this really interesting rabbit hole and it started when i got hired to direct videos for beyond meat and they connected me with vegan food share and vegan fat kid and those guys said oh you need to be on instagram there's this whole world on instagram and I, I, you know, I'd posted pictures of you know my feet and trees, and I, I'd been on on surface level Instagram, but discovering vegan Instagram, you know, capital V, capital I, yeah. was was life changing. It was instead of being the only vegan in the world, there were millions of vegans, mm -hmm. and every day they were being activists. They were posting pictures, said, "Here, I'm a vegan, and here's what I ate," and they were talking about animals, and they were standing up. And, that started a very rapid descent into activism for me. Mm -hmm. I started really paying attention to what I ate. I started speaking at conferences. I started meeting all these vegans. I decided I was going to work for all of the vegan companies. So I think in the past two years, I've shot videos for 40 or 50 vegan brands. Wow, that's and amazing. maybe 30 animal and human rights nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it's, been, it's been great. It's it's. I've been able to take this world that I lived in, which is the advertising world with slick productions and really, really scientifically targeted messaging and you know, state-of-the-art tools. You're selling kids' clothes for Walmart, and they, they have their research. And then taking that and being able to apply it towards vegan brands, brands that I really love. It's, it's been exciting. And it's been exciting to watch as vegan goes from being something that you did because you had to and, you know, somebody in a minivan handing out veggie burgers and, you know, wearing Birkenstocks. And so now vegan is, is hip. It's tech. It's cutting edge. It's cool. Yeah. Like all the action is happening in vegan. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, when I discovered that there was this like plant-based community around LA, it really made me feel less alone and it made me feel like I had a tribe and just less apologetic about who I was in the world. So did that happen for you when you were on Instagram discovering that there were more people like you out there? Yeah, yeah, it's been really amazing. I, mean, I, I gave a talk uh, last year at the National Animal Rights Conference in D.C. on Instagram because I, I, I can't say enough how amazing this tool is. Like if you sat in a room five years ago and you're like, how do we make vegan mainstream? You would have invented Instagram. I really, I was the only vegan in Los Angeles. I knew one other vegan in the world. And then within minutes of finding vegan Instagram, there was this huge community. Yeah, and there's events, and there's meetups, and there's restaurants, and there's all of these things. And now you actually hold some of the biggest vegan parties. And I remember before I met you and before I met this vegan tribe of mutual friends that we have, you know, I did feel alone, and I did feel isolated. And then but I still didn't want to turn my back on the movement. So, and this is before I started the podcast. So I didn't have an online tribe yet either. But it's like now I have my LA tribe. I have tribes in different states from people I've met online. And with online, there's nothing you can't do. You can find your tribe wherever you are. Yeah. And that was always the hardest part because if you, you know, if you're a Philadelphia tribe, you have people around you. And if you're, mm -hmm. you know, a work tribe, you have people there. But the, the vegan tribe, Everybody is spread out, and you really need these digital tools to connect together. And, mm -hmm. and I just wish I could go back to my, my nine-year-old self and my mom crying because I wasn't going to grow up big and strong and Aww. being like, look, look at David Carter's Instagram. You yeah. know, are, you, are you worried that he's not going to grow up big and strong? And, 
and and here's you know here's a bunch of feeds of doctors talking about plant based and and here's this community that we can reach out to if we have questions like yeah. like I I, w- I wish I had that um, and I'm so glad that I have it now and I'm so glad that that new vegans can have that oh my gosh Susie isn't Asher gonna die when he sees the game changers yeah. Oh. So Susie and I just got back from Sundance and that movie, it's going to change things. It is going to shake everything up. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. We have to do a screening at your studio and bring a lot of people in. I know, you know, you do great events. You have that great space. Yeah. Will you help with that? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. We'll get Caroline involved and we'll do it. It was just so good. Everyone in the theater is clapping. They're laughing. They're crying. And okay, like when you're at Sundance, there's always a Q&A after. And the Q&A is always like people asking technical questions or filmmakery questions or screenplay questions like, how did you get the funding or how did you write your story? But in this case, every single question to the panelists were like, how can I eat more like this? How can this be accessible in my town? What are your recommendations for egg replacement? You know, so it was all about the food and how people could change their lifestyles rather than the filmmaking process. Yeah, it's it's the future. That's Again, that's what I love so much. You know, I, vegan for me is not things you give up vegan for me is things that you get yeah and one thing that always guides me is i think there's this mistaken belief that vegan is about saying i'm not gonna eat these things and it's about focusing on what you're not eating and to me vegan is actually it's a it's a verb it's a process to to do vegan things is to think about what you're eating yeah and how it affects you and how it affects the world and yeah and you don't have to go in any specific direction off of that you just have to be conscious about what you're doing. And, yeah. And I think that takes a lot of the pressure off to commit to doing something forever or oh, I'm never going to eat this thing. It's just, oh, every meal I have, what am I eating and how does it affect me and how does it affect people around me? Yeah. And I think we've, as a society, at least in America, given a lot of trust over to the powers that be in that they wouldn't be doing this if it was going to harm us. Like, it's got to yeah. be true that milk does a body good. Right. Or it's got to right. be right. that they can use GMOs and that's fine because they wouldn't do if it would harm us. Yeah. And we've kind of given that over. And I think the people that we surround ourselves with, especially in Los Angeles and on the coast and stuff, or anybody that's just awakening themselves and, and looking at where their food's coming from and how it's made and how it's processed, knows that that's not fully true. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons why veganism is so popular among young people is because we're of this generation where we ask questions. You know, we don't, trust because the government says this or the dairy lobby says this and yeah and the great thing about the plant-based lifestyle is that it's science it's the light of day it's let's look at this and when you have meat companies covering up research and acting like tobacco companies exactly back to medmen yeah yeah, yeah when, they're, they're doing the same well that's and they say that in the they said that they the said film. in the movie yeah. you compared it to the cigarette or this no the same lobbyists they yeah. used to work for the cigarette companies, work for the meat and the dairy yeah. industry. So how do you how do you trust these people? Yeah, you know, you can't. and and once you start asking questions, then it leads you to, oh, I should be doing better things. We need a broccoli lobby and a kale <laughs> lobby. <laughs> I guess we're it. <laughs> this is the broccoli. This is the food heals the broccoli lobby. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't have that much money behind us, unfortunately. Send us your money for the broccoli lobby, yeah, or send us your broccoli, please. Send us your broccoli. <laughs> we will take broccoli donations. Yeah, I mean, I find so much joy in discovering a new plant-based food. And right now is the best time to change your diet because of the amount of delicious substitutes that exist that didn't exist before. So I couldn't overcome the argument 10 years ago, like why someone shouldn't eat cheese. Because I'm like, 
Cheese is damn delicious. There's nothing that tastes as good in the plant-based world. Well, now there is. And there are so many options. And there are so many grocery stores now carrying it. There are so many restaurants now serving it. And I know it's taking a longer time to get to smaller towns, but I travel all the time and I see it everywhere in random grocery stores across the U.S. So things are changing. Things are tasting better. And it's just so exciting to taste those new foods. And it's like a discovery. Yeah. And, and you can do so much good in the world. And all you have to do is pick one product over the other. Like It's literally the least you can do. And you have such a big impact. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was either Cowspiracy or What the Health where they said eating vegan for one day saves one animal a day. So just like you said, you make that selection three times a day if that's how many times you eat and you've saved one animal. What a huge impact you've made. Yeah, even if you don't care about animals, if you care about the environment, eat more plants. If you care about your health, eat more plants. If you care about do we have enough food to feed the entire planet, eat more plants. If you care about social justice or feminism or how we treat those we have power over, eat more plants. Like It's perfect. I don't, I don't care what you believe in, but if you eat more plants, you'll be making a difference. And all you have to do is just buy one thing instead of another thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you just wrote a PSA. We're going to save this for you and send it back to you so you can listen back. Because I'm pretty sure that was like the best PSA I've ever heard. And every answer is eat more plants. You want to save the world? Eat more plants. You want to blah, blah, blah. Eat more. I can see this. Yeah, actually, I could too. And then pollution.tv. <laughs> I just wrote your next commercial. No, you just wrote your next commercial. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so um, what made you start your production studio? How did you get into the filmmaking world? Yeah, I was always a, a science person. Um, my first job was in a neurology research lab. Um, I was a neurobiology major at mm-hmm. school. Um, I come from a, a scientific and an academic family. And I always wrote, but I wrote scientific things and then I, I took a film production class at school mm-hmm. and and it changed my world and all of a sudden I could be an artist and I, I can't paint um, I don't sing very well uh, <laughs> you put me if you put me alone in a room I'm not going to come up with anything but surround me with smart creative people and I can do anything and I love I love telling stories and yeah so I, I worked in New York for a while I worked in Australia and then I, I came to L.A., and L.A. is such an amazing town if you want to tell stories and meet people who want to do that because nobody here is comfortable. If they were comfortable, they would have stayed back on the farm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's here because they have something they need to do that's mm-hmm. bigger. Yeah. And, and so pollution is kind of a, a, a lightning rod for that, or it's a, a toolbox. It's a way of getting all these creative people together and saying, hey, we have the physical things you need to create. You know, you don't have to spend all of your energy finding lights or finding a camera or finding an editor. We have that already figured out. So what we need to do is figure out what's the message, what's the art, and those are the the fun things. And I direct a lot, which I love, but I also produce a lot. And mm-hmm. um, producing is fun in really a really different way because people come in with their own visions. It's not... It's not the story that I'm telling, but I get to take their story and help them make it real. And if it's a story that has a, a real impact, that's a very deep, rewarding thing. And that's why I came to L.A. and that's why I do what I do, because uh, I need to tell stories. And 
this is the, the best way to get my fix. And so what did your parents say when you shifted careers in the middle of school? Did, they, did your mother cry again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> tough. Um, actually, I, I, finished, I finished pre-med, and I, I took the MCATs because she was really nice about all my, my vegetarianism. And right. I said, look, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the MCATs. They're good for three years. So I, I took them. I was like, okay, I'm going to put medical school on pause and come to L.A. And um, I think at some point she figured out that I wasn't going to do it. Uh, <laughs> And and it, it took it took a minute for sure because um, what what is this you know I'm not doing something that I can point to anybody else and say this is what the job will look like in yeah. ten years, yeah. but they've been they've been incredibly supportive because this is what I do and what you love to do what I love to do and they're they're the biggest fans of high cuisine ever it's, are they really yeah it, it's adorable so the show comes out your parents smoke no they don't they don't it's hilarious they don't smoke and and. Uh, my mom said she thought the show would be just as good if they weren't smoking. Just a, a note. Oh, just FYI, Just son. a note in case for next season we want to <laughs> get rid of that. And, and you know, the show comes out on Monday, and most people will, like, binge watch it whenever they have time. But my parents save it. And Friday or Saturday night, they'll watch the 12-minute show as a date together. And, and then Sunday we talk, and I get, you know, what they thought about the episode. You get notes. And, yeah. I get, <laughs> oh, I get, I get notes. My, my, mom, my mom gives a lot of notes, but my grandmother, her mom is is the worst. Your um, grandmother watches the show. Yeah, I love, I love my grandma. But like, I'll, I'll send my grandma, like, hey, I, I wrote this article, and I'll send it to her, like a, a published thing, and she'll send it back covered in red ink. <laughs> <laughs> like, could have done better. Yeah, I was like, okay, thank, thank you. <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to make you better. Yeah, yeah, no, I come from a family of copy editors. So. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And I know that you've become a real animal activist in our community. And so can you tell us a little bit about that? What sparks you? What drives you? And, and what, are you, what are you up to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, I like people, um, but people are pretty good at standing up for themselves when they have the opportunity. Um, and I like animals, and it's a lot harder for them to stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing a lot of work recently with animal sanctuaries. Um, it started with shooting some videos for Farm Sanctuary. I've shot for Gentle Barn, and I spoke at the Loveland Farm Sanctuary Gala, and I'm speaking at the Kindred Spirits Gala next week. So it took it took me a long time to understand sanctuaries. Um, from a distance, it's a little bit depressing to say we're doing all this work and raising all this money, and people are spending their whole lives, and we saved 20 cows, and and look how many billions of cows have died while we were doing that. Um, and you go to a sanctuary. And you get a little bit of it. Like, okay, I understand. But then you see you see kids at the sanctuary, and it clicks into place. Mm. Uh, it it's crazy to me that cows, pigs, chickens are some of the most populous species on this planet. There are billions and billions of them. They're large mammals. They're all around us, and yet we never see them. Like they they they're here, but we don't we don't interact. And when we do see them. It's driving by feedlots where they're not, they're not given the space to be themselves. Or it's in cartoons where it's a, a fake version of what an animal is. And when in a kid's life will he or she be able to see a cow that is given the space to love her babies or a pig that can wallow or a goat that can be a dick and get away with it? <laughs> uh, how got against goats. Oh man, goats are trouble. The, they are. They are. The, the last time we shot at Gentle Barn, we had a goat who I think was in love with a camera operator and oh. kept kept just 
biting him and, and nuzzling him. <laughs> and and there, there's so many shots, you know, where you're, you have the talent standing and talking and, and just a, a goat just kind of wanders in the frame and looks right into the lens. And you, you can't use that. Have you that. guys seen goat yoga? <laughs> no. <laughs> have you done? No? Yeah. You know of it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know of it? Uh-uh. I'm trying to remember where I first saw it. But there's people that do hold classes where they have goats involved with outdoor yoga and they walk on you and they hang like do a pose and they'll jump on top of your back and it's goat yoga. Yeah. Sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah, no. So so for me that that's such a great cause. How can you expect a kid to be compassionate about something they never see and yeah. interact with? And yeah. and then they see them at zoos or exotic animals, you yeah. know, not cows and chickens and pigs. They're behind glass and bars, and they're very yeah. removed. Yeah, it's yeah. very different. At least for for me, when I was a child, if I went to like a petting zoo, I remember when I was in Hawaii, and I don't know how we wound up. We wound up near some sort of cattle ranch, and there was this big, beautiful bull just chewing on his grass, and like they were so he was so enormous, and just to be near him, yeah, you know, was such an experience. Yeah, and to realize that he's a person. Yeah. Once you accept that one animal is a unique creature. Then all of a sudden you realize, oh, all these billions of animals are unique creatures. Well, we, yeah, we have our, our dogs and our cats and, you know, yeah. chickens and pigs and cows are, well, those are expendable. But then I think down in South America, there's certain people that keep chickens as like cuddly pets yeah. and they would never, they eat, they do other, they eat other animals, yeah. but they would never eat a chicken. Yeah. It's very funny how we have that perception or that, you yeah. know, these are okay and these are not. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I read a lot of Carol Adams. Um, she's a personal hero of mine. And how can we expect someone to treat others as as agents worthy of respect when every single thing in our culture is designed to say, eat this burger, but don't think about it as a living thing? Right. You know, every single meal, we're practicing cruelty, and we're teaching our kids, don't ask questions, don't think about this. and And of course, then they go off into the rest of their lives, and they act like that. It's also also like if you look at kid menus at restaurants, it's always like the chicken nuggets. Yeah. But there's no fresh vegetables. We don't teach our kids to eat fresh. Well, I did. Yeah. I had a different. Fe- but it's amazing to me. It's like, and these kids are just they eating so poorly and practicing cruelty, as you said. Yeah, and and they're great kids. Uh, it's just yeah. They're it's not their fault. We're we're failing them as teachers. So are you going to have kids one day? Oh, yeah. I'm super excited to have a bunch of kids and then just go vegan propaganda all over them. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be the kids in the, in the vegan T-shirts and bringing the, the kale chips to class. And... I can't wait to meet them. They sound like they'll be a blast. Thank you. And so how are you going to deal with you know, the judgment from other parents or if someone says, how can you raise your kids this way? Um, I would love to hear your, your quiet FU statement. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I could flip the question around, like, how can you raise kids and not feed them well? Like, that that's so important. You know, yeah. if all you did was feed them well, you'd be doing a better job in some cases. And And to me, what we need to teach children is to think for yourself. Yeah. And these lies that we tell them, this is a McNugget, like, that distance themselves from truth and gets them in the habit of, pretending that the world they live in is not the world as it is. And we're talking about that with food, but you can really connect that to anything. You know, how do we treat other people? And to step outside of yourself and ask, well, what does that person want is very difficult. And I was lucky at at nine, I met a vegetarian and I, I realized, oh, I can 
ask what that cow would want. And, mm-hmm. and of course that cow doesn't want me to, to eat her. You know, of course not. <clears throat> and I know what I would want in that situation. And so, so how did your health change when you went plant-based? Was in accordance with that. And, um, I was very lucky to have been taught to think like that by my parents. And so even though they weren't vegan, they gave me the tools that I needed. And, and I, I feel very confident that if we give children those tools, they'll make good decisions with them. And so how did your health change when you went plant-based? It's, it's actually, it's been, it's been interesting. So I've, I've had healthy periods and I've had unhealthy periods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being a vegetarian for a long time, I didn't eat a lot of processed meats, so I avoided that. But microwavable cheese pizzas and bean burritos, like there's a lot of junk out there. And it's easy to eat a junk food diet, even on the vegan diet. So it's really about like, how to eat a plant-powered diet is what I like to say. It's easy to eat a junky diet, diet period. Yeah. Oh, of you course. Know, like, yeah. It's the predominance of the food available in certain types of markets, not Whole Foods yeah. or, you know, sprouts or something, but like... Well, in fast food alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's coming into the vegan space as we get more successful, paradoxically. Right. And um, I don't know if this is oversharing, but I had a bit of a cholesterol scare um about a year ago um you know i'd always thought i'm i'm a vegan and i'm immune to everything i i run <laughs> I'm super healthy yeah and and right when i went vegan you know what am i going to eat i'll eat beans and rice and then um you know a couple of years ago i uh, i was producing more and i was on set less so i was less of an active lifestyle and as i fell deep into this vegan instagram world there's all this really amazing vegan junk food and I, I sort of lost sight of what nutrients do I want to be taking in. And my cholesterol went up, and um, I put on a little bit of weight. And the, the doctor I went to, the very wonderful doctor, but said, that's just how you are, and here's a drug that you can take for the rest of your life. Mm. And, uh, you know, have you considered eating less meat? And Wait, what? He yeah, said that to you? Yeah, he said that to me. <laughs> wow. Like, and like, when you said... Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah, I don't haven't know. done that since I'm nine. What do you yeah. say? He's like, okay, well, let's put you on some drugs. And, of course, yes. And so, so I said, well, let me let me see what I can do, and I'm going to be more active, and I'm going to run more, and I'm going to. When I'm Instagramming now, I try to stand up, so I'm not at least moving around a little bit. And I still I still eat donuts. I'll still eat fried junk food because I love that. But and there's a lot of great opportunities for that where we live. <laughs> yeah. But That's true. but in between when I'm cooking for myself, I'm very conscious to eat whole foods, to eat clean foods and to really pay attention. You know, as, as I as I get older, you know, I become more and more aware that I have one body and it's a very, very complicated machine and mm-hmm. I need to treat it well because I plan on having it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So did your cholesterol go down? Yeah, I went down forty points. Amazing. And so what were the changes that you made that took you to that next level? Yeah, so it was being active uh, was a big part of it. Yeah. But, I, but I really think it was the diet was a big part also. And like with everything in diet, I think one of the reasons why diet is so important is because it's a chance every single day yep. to really reflect on yourself. So three times a day, you say, what am I eating? And how is my body doing? And it's about that meal, but it's about the bigger state. And you can look at that and say, well, I'm 
I'm going to eat some donuts because I want these donuts. You're really making me want a donut yeah. right now. <laughs> That's great. And, and I, I haven't eaten one in a... No, it's not because I haven't eaten one in a while. There's so many good vegan donut companies in LA. It's like... Uh, not like... No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cupcakes guy. Yeah, I guess it comes down to it. Yeah. Like, me, me, well, I like both. I, um, I shot some videos for Aaron McKenna's a few years ago and I got paid in cupcakes. Oh my gosh. That was, that <laughs> was happy great. day. Yeah, that was a happy day. And I, you know, I wouldn't live a life where I couldn't eat food that I love. Yeah, you but, have to enjoy. Yeah, but I, enjoy. but I don't want to just go home and grab something because it's right there. I don't think people that do eat a lot of fast food realize that they're actually addicted, probably. That right. there's stuff in fast food that they put in there yeah. specifically to make us addicted. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that when you are able to cook, or at least either go out to restaurants where you have healthy whole foods, that's not there. Yeah, I love cooking, and, and the food I cook is the easiest food ever. But it's, it's good ingredients. Candy, so. candy enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and and if you look at my my Instagram, like I, I hang out with uh, with Tim Moore, vegan fat kid, a lot. And I think both of us have very junk food centric Instagrams. But then we'll we'll hang out and we'll eat salads. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that's you know when we're not doing the the wild Instagram food, we're we're recharging. But on Instagram, it's great because you can show people that there are other options because all of the pictures are so beautiful that and they're craveable that people are like, I want that. Where can I get that? Oh, and it just happens to be vegan. So it's great. People that aren't vegan can see this food can be absolutely mouthwatering. And it is. Yeah. And I think my my personal brand of activism is I want to show how vegan is the greatest party on earth. And it's just non nonstop good food, good people. So I I definitely push that message out as much as I can. And you throw some of the greatest vegan parties on earth. Thank you for the segue. And so like this year you had Ash Bash, your birthday party. You had your vegan Thanksgiving, which was so fun. All the parties that we all, all the local vegans go to. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I I like to party. Um, I have a a big film studio, so it's a great place for it. And I've met all these amazing people over the years. And having events is a great way of getting people together and strengthening the community. the events weren't always 100% vegan, um, just like our film sets used to have meat on them. Mm-hmm. And then a few years ago, I was self-examining and thinking, what can I do to do more? And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to spend my money on buying meat for people. And uh, it, was actually, it was a very hard moment for me. And I, I sat down with the, the pollution staff, and I got a little emotional, and I, I'm really... I'm sorry, I'm not, this isn't personal. And they're like, oh, no, that's, that's what you believe in. Let's do it. And so if I'm going to throw a party, it's going to be vegan. And if you come to the party, that's the world. But it, when we throw vegan potlucks, some of the best vegan chefs in the world yeah. bring their food. So if you can't find something you like there, then you just don't like food. Mm-hmm. Oh, there is so much good food at those parties. It's ridiculous. And even you'll have like some of the biggest chefs in the world are in our community and everyone's waiting for them to show up. And then you'll also just have regular people who have made something who aren't necessarily the greatest chefs, but it's still something so delicious because they put all their creativity into it. And then you'll have people like me who just go to Whole Foods and buy the vegan apple pie. That was fantastic. I love that pie. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. And, and so we have a, a big party every summer for my birthday. Uh, we had 500 people last year. 500 of your closest friends? 500 of my closest friends. <laughs> my close friends and their close friends. The, the rule is you can bring somebody if they're awesome. So, so everybody there has been vouched for by somebody, and who is awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we had um, we had two bounce houses. We have roller skates. 
uh, plant food for people, had a food truck in the parking lot with vegan burritos and tacos. Mm -hmm. uh, Dandy's sponsors a fire pit every year, and we do mm, marshmallows. marshmallows. Those are good. Why aren't all marshmallows vegan? They were in our swag bag. I know. Sunday. That's why I know them. And I ate half a bag. Yeah. Oh. And then I left them open, and they went hard. And I was like, oh, damn. You just, you just melt them down. They're, they're good oh, okay. again. That, there's no reason that, that all marshmallows can't be vegan. Yeah. That's my opinion. What are they made out of? Like gelatin or something? What's Marsh marshmallows? Yeah. Regular marshmallows are made uh, of gelatin. Hooves, bones, Ugh. eyeballs, all the stuff they can't sell. I mean, that is horrifying. How do they make that like taste good, by the way? Uh, lots of sugar. 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 Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like I, I, people don't know these things. I personally didn't know any of this. You know, you start to go vegan or vegetarian and... There are so many candies and Oreos and things like that. And then you have to go on the next level of learning and you have to go, I can eat these things because they're technically vegan. However, I have to look at the ingredients and say, are these toxic ingredients? Do they have dyes? Do they have preservatives? Do they have other things that even though I'm no longer, you know, now I'm not hurting animals, but I'm now putting stuff in my body that's a toxic chemical. So then you have to go to that level, right? And so, for example, Skittles aren't vegan. Marshmallows aren't vegan. I didn't know that. So if someone doesn't know that, they may continue to eat these things uh, they're not only are toxic for your body because they're full of sugar and junk and dyes and toxic ingredients, but then they're also actually do have animal products. So sometimes you're just starting out and you're actually not saving the animals, you know, even if you're if you're trying your best. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's it's important to, again, to think of it as a process that like will never be perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and anybody who tries to be perfect is going to get burned out really quickly. Yeah. Um, but but everything we do is a decision. And for me, the, the new frontier is clothing. I have me too. friends who have ethical brands, and I, I just never even thought about it before. Right. Where did my clothes come from? And, and then with our, our fruits and veggies, there's all these issues of how is the farm labor treated, and there's so many things that we could do better, and I, I'm always inspired by people who pick a particular thing to focus on, and I, I think for me, it's just about every day we move more in that direction. And we'll never, we'll never get there. There's always going to be something. We could just all be breatharians and then problem solved. Well, even, even then, I'm, I'm sure. The air would be poisoned. Yeah, some, something. <laughs> or we'd be sucking all the oxygen out so other people couldn't breathe or something and yeah. kids would be dying. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and I, I think at the end of the day, life is a big party. You know, you get one shot at it. Our bodies are great. Our minds are great. You know, let's be respectful, but let's fucking party. Let's yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll all join you for your next Ash Bash. But until then, what do you have coming up next? Any shows, movies, anything we should know about? Yeah, so this is this is going to be a, a really big, big month for me. I'm going to be, I think, flying to Daytona to film with Leilani Munter at the Daytona 500. I have a top secret anti-milk campaign that will hopefully be up in three weeks. Top secret? Top secret. But the short, short version is milk is not a health food. Yeah. Cow's milk, excuse me, is not a health food. Yeah. Soy milk is great. Almond milk is great. What would you say to people that say soy, soy plants don't have teats? Uh, <laughs> I've heard that before. They're like, this can't be milk. It's like, oh, whatever. It's delicious. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. Just don't kill a cow. Yeah. Or don't yeah. drink its milk. So true. And we definitely look forward to that. And we actually, Susie, we met Leilani at... Uh, Sundance and she's great she was so sweet yeah she she is incredible um, I filmed with her at Talladega last year oh cool and it was it was her Robert Cheek and David Carter mm -hmm. and Jason Stefanko was cooking uh, vegan chicken wings but they were 
deep fried and dipped in barbecue sauce. So like about as people friendly as you can be with vegan food. <laughs> and Leilani was handing out vegan food to NASCAR fans. Wow. Yeah. Was she telling them? Yeah, she's like, this is this is vegan. Do you want it? And I I went down there with a film crew, and the video that I thought we were going to make was, look at all these Southern people who hate the vegans. Yeah. And the video we ended up making was, look how much we have in common. Everybody likes free food. Yeah. Everybody wants to eat healthier. And eat delicious food. Yeah, yeah. Eat. Do you want to eat good food that's better for you and doesn't kill animals? Everyone's like, yeah, sure, that's great. So I, I, get, I get so... So happy when I think about her work because that—that's what it's going to take. You know, it's not—it's not the the vegans that I hang out with. It's the the NASCAR fans that Leilani's talking to. I mean, if you can get NASCAR fans, you can get yeah. anyone. You can get anybody. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, come on back when you can tell us a little more about the top secret project. But uh, let everyone know where they can find you online, stalk you on Instagram, your favorite platform, all that good stuff. Yeah, Smasher Brown. If you want to follow me on Instagram. Um, Tag me in pictures of food, and I'll tell you how much I want to eat it. <laughs> uh, Pollution TV to see our work. Uh, Go90.com. Search for High Cuisine if you like stone people cooking awesome plant-based food. <laughs> Greatest idea ever. Uh, and, and yeah, we have lots and lots of series coming out. Most of what I do is for other people. Uh, we have a vegan influencer series coming out for PETA. A okay. uh, bunch of things coming out for Farm Sanctuary. So if, if you're online and you see a cool vegan video, there's a decent chance that I made it. And thank you for watching. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.